You can open your Bibles to, uh, to Matthew chapter 28. Thank you for your, your warm welcome. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 28, let me tell you why I wanted to be with you. I wanted to come and personally thank you for being a part of our small family of churches known as Sovereign Grace. And I just didn't want to send a note to Rich and say, could you share this with your church, although he would do that. I wanted to come and personally thank you for being a part of Sovereign Grace. And my, my grat- I want to express why I thank God for you. You as a church, Center Church, strengthen our family of churches. But you do that in a number of ways. I'm just going to give you a few. One is your gospel presence here in the Gilbert area. Your commitment to preach the gospel. Your commitment to apply the gospel to your life. Your commitment to reach those who don't know Christ with the good news of the gospel. I mean, what a wonderful expression this week of doing VBS and having 75 kids, some of whom have never been in this church before, hear the good news of Jesus Christ each and every day of this week. That, that expresses your heart to reach the lost with the gospel. Your, your faith and the sacrifice you will make to plant your fourth church and sending Frank and Jessica, and maybe some of you will join them on that church plant in Mesa. That's another, another exp- expression of how you just have this wonderful commitment to the gospel. But your, your impact as a church, it, it moves beyond Gilbert and Mesa and the Phoenix area. It actually reaches into other parts of the world, in Mexico and Latin America in particular. How you support rich and pray for rich for what he does as a member of the Sovereign Grace leadership team in serving pastors and churches in Mexico and Latin America. And by the way, he is just doing a, a wonderful job. But he couldn't do that without you. He couldn't do it without you just being a, a strong local church that brings integrity to his ministry. And he couldn't do that without your encouragement and without your prayers. So those are just some of the ways you as a church have strengthened us and are strengthening us as a family of churches. So I thank you for being a part of Sovereign Grace. If you're new here at Center Church and you don't know much about our little denomination known as Sovereign Grace Churches, it it might be good for you to know why we exist. Sovereign Grace exists to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ by planting and strengthening churches throughout the world And we do all of that for the purpose of giving God glory. And one of the ways we do that is through one of our seven shared values known as church planting, outreach, and mission. Those values, they shape and define who we are as churches. And you hear the the value of, of outreach in that particular sixth value. We have that value because the gospel is something we not only want to to treasure individually, it's not only something that we want to build our churches on, the gospel is is a good news, it's a message that must be proclaimed, it must be shared, it must be told. And so as I go through each main point of this sermon, I'm going to give you some updates of what's happening in Sovereign Grace related to church planting and global missions to give you an idea of what you are part of and how together we are living this value out together. The title of my sermon is An Unfinished Task. We're going to read Matthew 28, 
verses 16 through 20, what's become known as, as you well know, the Great Commission. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God bless the preaching of his word. On Sunday, February 21st, 2016, approximately 5,000 churches in 100 different nations, they, they sang a hymn on that day entitled, Facing a Task Unfinished. The hymn was sung in many different languages by an estimated 1.1 million Christians on that one Sunday. The first verse of the hymn, it goes like this. Facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees. A need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know Thee renew before Thy throne. The solemn pledge we owe thee to go and make thee known. Now, this hymn was recently updated by Keith and Christian, Kristen Getty, but it was originally written in 1929 by China Inland Mission, Mission worker and pastor Frank Houghton. And he wrote this hymn as a call to send 200 missionaries into China at the height of that country's persecution of Christians. And by the end of 1931, 200 people, at the risk of their very own lives, had been sent to China to seek to fulfill this unfinished task of proclaiming Christ to every tribe and tongue and nation. And even though that hymn was written 93 years ago, this task to make disciples of all nations, it remains unfinished today. According to the Joshua Project, over 6,500 people groups, that's not people, people groups, are considered unreached with the gospel in our world today. That's about 42% of our world's population. And if you think that Great Commission work is only needed to be done outside of the United States, listen to this statistic. According to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, which is in the Boston area, approximately 400,000 missionaries were sent throughout the world in 2010. Which nation, would you guess, received the most missionaries in that year? Well, if you thought, if you guessed the United States, you would be right. In 2010, 32,400 missionaries were sent from other nations to bring the gospel here to the states. See, that stat alone tells us that there are people all around us who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And because our world is more globally connected 
more than ever, the people that live around us may be from different tribes and tongues and nations. So this call to make disciples of all nations is something we can all do. Whether we are sent from this place to take the Gospel or remain faithfully here and we reach out to our neighbors across the street. See, the Great Commission is a reminder that that you as a church and that we as a family of churches have an unfinished task to make disciples of all nations. And it's why church planting and outreach and global missions is one of our seven shared values as a family of churches. Because as a family of churches, we believe that through local outreach, your local outreach here in Gilbert and Mesa, through the church planting that we are doing together as a family of churches, by participating in global missions, we will participate with many other churches in reaching the lost, the unreached with the good news of Jesus Christ. And we share this value because there's so much more that we can do together than what any one church can do alone. So three things we learn from the Great Commission. Number one, we fulfill God's global mission for His glory. Jesus, when He begins to speak to the disciples here in verse 18, He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. And so it begs the question, who gave this universal authority to Jesus? Well, according to several, several passages in our Bibles, we know that it is God the Father that gave God the Son this universal authority. Let me just give you one proof text. John chapter 12, verse 49. And this is Jesus speaking. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who, has, who sent me has Himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So God the Father, who has given Jesus this universal authority, He is our Father as well because He is our Creator. And He's not only our Creator, He has created the heavens and the earth. We know that from the very first verse in our Bibles. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says that God created the heavens and the earth giving Him exclusive reign and exclusive authority in the universe, including authority and rule over all the nations. And you know this, you know your Bibles, after God created the heavens and the earth, He creates Adam and Eve, and He puts them in the Garden of Eden. Now at this point in redemptive redemptive history, things are good. In the Garden of Eden at that point, there was no need for mission as there will be no need for mission in the new heavens and the new earth. But you know this, because of Adam's original sin, all of creation is fallen. All people from all nations, including us, have rejected God's universal reign and authority and are now objects of His wrath. And yet, very early in our Bibles again, we get a glimpse of God's initiative to save sinners from His wrath where he says to the serpent who tempted Eve and Adam, in Genesis 3, verse 15, he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, God announces that the offspring of Eve, which can be traced genealogically to the person of Jesus Christ will bruise the head of Satan where he decisively 
defeats him on the cross. So in Genesis 3, verse 15, we get the first glimpse of the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ in all of Scripture. And from Genesis 3.15, we see God's gracious movement to save a desperately needy, fallen world that is in rebellion against Him and stands under His righteous judgment. My, my point is this. Our God is a God of mission who takes initiative to save people like you and me from the wrath that we deserve by sending His beloved Son to achieve the gracious purposes of salvation. And that is offered to people in all nations. It is this God, the Creator and Ruler of the universe, who gives His Son, Jesus Christ, universal authority, and He sends Him to seek and save the lost. You see, mission did not originate with man. Mission did not originate with us. Rather, mission was initiated by God Himself. So His mission is our mission, and it's a global mission intended to reach every tribe and tongue and nation with the good news of Jesus Christ. But reaching every tribe and tongue and nation with the good news of Jesus Christ is not the ultimate endpoint of our mission. The ultimate endpoint of our mission is to see God receive glory. And we get a picture of that in Revelation chapter 7, where God is glorified by people from every tribe and tongue and nation. We see that in Revelation 7. Revelation is a book that can be hard to figure out at times, but I love the book of Revelation for this reason. It gives us glimpses of what we are going to enjoy on that day. I mean, don't you look forward to that day? I do. As I get older, I look forward to that day more and more. Here's a glimpse of what we're going to enjoy, brothers and sisters. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Now look at the composition of this multitude. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation, it belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. And blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. See, the Great Commission, it reveals God's mission and its ultimate purpose is for God to receive glory from people from all nations. John Piper, he says it so succinctly and he says it so well. Mission exists because worship doesn't. And that's why sovereign grace exists. By God's grace, we are a global family of churches seeking to advance God's global mission that He originated in Genesis 3.15 and continues today. And we do all of that for His glory. So our desire to see more people gathered with us on that day before the throne as we see in Revelation 7 that will sing with us to the Father and to the Lamb that, that picture it drives our urgency and our passion to see more people hear the good news of Jesus Christ so I want to give you a glimpse of 
what is happening throughout the world in our little small denomination. To give you an idea of how we're living this value out. Presently, there are over 75 churches all outside of the United States that are asking to be adopted into Sovereign Grace. We believe that we will adopt about 60 of those in the next couple of years. 11 in Africa, 15 in Latin America, 3 in Europe, and 33 in the Asia-Pacific part of the world. Most of those are in the Philippines. Those are opportunities that God has given us that we weren't seeking. In His mercy and His kindness, He just has opened doors for us. It, it is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Not only that, at this important time in our denomination, He's giving us strategic leaders throughout the world. Guys that Rich works with in Mexico, Carlos Contreras and Manolo Quintel in Silao, and Jose Lo Mercado who serves us in Latin America. Men in Africa like Diona Thomas in West Africa, he's in Liberia. And Michael Granger in East Africa, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Men like Jeffrey Joe in the Philippines. All of those men are not only godly men, they are gifts to us because they're good, gospel-centered, strategic leaders. And not only has God been doing that, He's providing resources for us to take advantage of these opportunities. In the last couple of years, we've started what are known as development funds. Latin America Development Fund, Africa Development Fund, Asia Pacific Development Fund, and just most recently, the Europe Development Fund that anyone can give money to. And they exist alongside of our operating budget to, to, to serve pastors and to plant churches throughout the world. Just at the end of last year, we had a member of a Sovereign Grace Church, been a part of a Sovereign Grace Church for 35 years, gave $1.2 million distributed among those development funds. And his motivation was this, the gospel centrality that has transformed my life and my wife's life and my family's life, I want to see that spread throughout the world. That was his motivation in giving it. And so God is providing resources that we never thought that we would have. And in addition to that, the, the opportunities continue to grow. Let me give you a couple examples from Rich's world. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, both Rich and I have received texts from Joselo Mercado about two new churches that want to be adopted into Sovereign Grace. One in Barranquilla, Colombia, uh, a city of about 3 million people, and a church I was at last December that is growing because they're, they're committed to the gospel. Uh, just uh, probably a week or two ago, Joselo texted us, and there's another church in San Jose, Costa Rica that wants to join and be a part of Sovereign Grace. We have a partner church in Cartago, Costa Rica, and we have a couple of other churches in Costa Rica, one in San Jose, and there are, now there's another in San Jose that wants to be a part of Sovereign Grace. I'm sharing you the, these stories with you to show you what God is doing and to, to just let you know we, we are becoming more and more, even though we're small, we are becoming a global family of churches. And so, brothers and sisters, let us continue this unfinished task to fulfill God's global mission. Let's do, it, let's do it all for His glory. Okay, second thing we learn from the Great Commission. Number two, we are sent by Jesus with His good news. Matthew, if you've studied Matthew, and compared to the other Gospels, he opens his Gospel account in a very unique way. He says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, 
the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now Matthew begins his gospel in this way, not only because he's primarily writing to Jewish Christians, but he's being intentional to connect the person of Jesus Christ to the person of Abraham. That's important because God's good redemptive plan that he began in Genesis 3.15, it continues in Genesis chapter 12, where God makes his covenant with Abraham, and he sends Abraham from his native nation, and he says to him in Genesis 12 verse 3, in you, in you Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this blessing, we know, not extends to Abraham's physical descendants, but all who, as Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, are children of Abraham through faith in Christ. He says it this way in Galatians 3. Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons and daughters of God. So if you're here this morning, and you're a Christian, you're in Christ, you are a son, a daughter of God through faith. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female for you. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, if you're Christ this morning, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So God's promise to Abraham to bless the nations is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ in the gospel where the blessing of salvation is now offered to people from all nations. All those who turn from their sin, who repent and turn from their sin and place their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through His resurrection, all those who place their faith in Christ are in Christ and are sons and daughters of Abraham. And by the way, if you're, if you're watching via live stream, or you're here and you're not a Christian, the Bible says this, if you will repent of your sin, if you will just turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ and His finished work, the Bible says it this way, if you will call upon His name, the name of Christ today, and ask Him to save you, you will be saved. So call upon His name today. The, the point is this. The message of our mission is the message of the Gospel. It is the, it is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ who fulfills this promise made to Abraham. So when Jesus says to us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, He sends us with only one message, which is the Gospel. And that message, it must be shared, it must be told it must be proclaimed. That's why the first sentence that describes this shared value that we have in Sovereign Grace of church planning, outreach, and global mission, we write it this way. Our gospel centrality entails not only treasuring the gospel personally, but sharing it passionately. So we, as a family of churches, you as a church, center church, at Center Church, you're being sent. You've been sent by Jesus, and He's calling you to passionately share the good news of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that, that make disciple language that you see there in verse 19, it links mission and the local church together. Eckhart Schnabel says this, the directive to make disciples demonstrates the 
ecclesiological dimension. Ecclesiological is a theology term that means church, local church. The ecclesiological dimension of the mission. Missionary work and church must not be separated since the very goal and purpose of missionary work is the creation of a community of disciples. That's why your gospel presence here in Gilbert and Mesa and beyond is so important. Because local and global mission, it springs from the local church. It leads to the planting of churches. By God's grace, you're going to plant your fourth church in Mesa. What For what reason? To reach people there who don't know Christ as their Savior? And they will become, some of them, a part of that church in Mesa for the purpose of what? Being discipled and growing and maturing as disciples. Your local gospel outreach here and through our partnership, the planting of churches throughout the world, the good news is being shared. And brothers and sisters, God still saves. And He's saving people. A few years ago, we, it was about three years ago now, we planted another church, Sovereign Grace Church, in the Sydney area. The first church was planted a decade ago. This church was planted uh, two or three years ago in Parramatta. And Riley Spring uh, emailed me recently, and they were celebrating their, I can't remember, I think it was their second anniversary as a church. And on that Sunday, they celebrated by baptizing six people who had given their life to Christ. And they added 12 members to their church. We're planning churches uh, in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Rich will be down there later this summer serving that church. I mentioned Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Planted Trinity Fellowship there a year ago. I was there in March. And that church in a year has grown to about 145 people. Some of them are new Christians. And some of them are new Christians converted from, from being Muslims. God saves and is at work in East Africa. We're also planting in the United States uh, in the last year or so, Prattville, Alabama, um, uh, and in San Antonio, Texas. The church in San Antonio, was, it was sent out from the church in Seguin, Texas. Philip Estrada led that church plant in San Antonio. And uh, he sent me an email right around their one-year anniversary. And he told me a story, several stories of people that they've reached out in their community and become Christians. One, he tells me about is, he calls an incredible work of the Lord, which it is, of a man who was a slave to drugs, given to homosexuality, and even engaged in acts of prostitution. But because this church shared the gospel with him, he was born again. And Philip goes on to say, we've seen him progressively grow in the faith, grow in Christ, and faithfully participate in our church gatherings. See, I tell you that story because that's why we plant churches. We plant churches to reach men like that. We don't plant churches to grow sovereign grace. We don't plant churches to say, hey, look at our numbers. We plant churches to reach men like that in San Antonio. And not only is God doing that here in the States, He's doing it throughout the world. I was in Guadalajara, Mexico just about three weeks ago. Um, Rich has been down there at least a couple of times. And since the pandemic, that church has grown from 100 to 240. It tells you that the, the pandemic has shaken people. They've got questions, they're looking for answers, and they're coming to churches. Some of them are sovereign grace churches. 
Now, because that church is now 240 and they've got a smaller space, they have two services like you do. And after the, seventh, uh, after the second service, the second service I preached from Colossians 1, included the gospel in my message. And after the second service, there was a, a man walked up to me and he was in tears. And he said to me, this is the first time I've ever been in a Christian church. And what you preached, what you spoke, it, it spoke to my heart. And he just continued to cry. So I pointed him to the man that had invited him and to obviously Choby, the senior pastor there. I, I tell you that story because, as Zach mentioned, we can get distracted. We can become too familiar with this gospel and forget that there are people who've never been in a Christian church before who may be living around us. And so we must be faithful to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let us do that as we do outreach and as we plant churches together. Okay, third thing that we learn from the Great Commission, we make disciples dependent on the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 19 and 20 again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then Jesus says this, and behold, that kind of means, hey, hey, listen up, what I'm about to say is important, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this commission that Jesus gives his disciples and he gives us to make disciples of all nations, as you know, is right before his ascension, and even though he's physically leaving this earth, he tells us that he's always going to be with us. We know verse 20 is a reference to the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit is poured out by Christ upon those believers in the upper room. And they're filled with the Spirit's presence and they are empowered to be witnesses for Christ. Luke records it, this way, what Jesus spoke to his disciples right before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus sends us, and he is always with us as the Spirit is filling us, and the Spirit is giving us power to be witnesses for Christ and the good news of the Gospel. See, one of the signs of being a Spirit-filled believer is that you're a person who boldly shares the good news of Christ with others. So our, our ability to, to live out this value of local outreach and church planting and global mission, it, it, is, it is dependent upon the Spirit filling us. It's dependent upon the Spirit empowering us. To say it another way, our mission is a Spirit-led, it's a Spirit-empowered mission. And this truth that reveals a, a marvelous, a, a wonderful truth to us, which is this, our Trinitarian God is a missionary God who seeks and saves the lost. So God the Father uh, initiates mission in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He promises the blessing of salvation to all nations in Genesis 12, and then he fulfills that promise by sending his beloved son to accomplish this great salvation. 
And God the Son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, through the virgin birth, He steps into our sin-infested, dark world. He lives a perfect life. And He dies a perfect death. Offering a perfect sacrifice for all of my sins. And for all of your sins. And as we sang just a few moments ago, on that third day, He rose again. Victorious over sin and Satan and death. Offering salvation to sinners from all nations. And before His ascension, He tells us, I'm not going to leave you alone as you go about this mission. I'm going to pour out My Spirit upon you. And so the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, dwells within us and fills us and empowers us to fulfill our unfinished task. Every person of the Trinity is involved in mission to reach the lost, which gives us hope that our, our efforts to reach the lost will not be in vain. And it does this. It, it unburdens us to fulfill this great commission because we don't have to do so in our own strength, but in dependence upon the leading and the power of the Spirit. Now, I want you to hear this, and, and Rich would just agree, because he knows. We in Sovereign Grace, the leadership team in Sovereign Grace that Rich is a part of, we don't put our hopes in our plans and our strategies. Now, we do, do those things. Those are good things that men are called to do, but we never put our hope in them. Rather, we put our hope in our Trinitarian God who seeks and saves the lost. But let me just give you an illustration of what I mean. We, we don't have a, a map on the wall where we're saying we're going to plant churches in these cities. We never would have put a pin in the city of Reynosa, Mexico. But we believe in the next couple of years we will plant a church from Juarez to Reynosa. Here's, here's why. Reynosa, if you're familiar with it, is a gang-infested city. It's a dangerous city. It's a border city right across the border from McAllen, Texas. And there was a, a man, a Christian in that city, working for a company. And they sent him every so often somewhat regularly, maybe once a month or so, to do some work and some consulting work for that company in Juarez. And he would spend sometimes weekends there, and he heard about Iglesia Gracia Soberana, the Sovereign Grace Church there in Juarez. He'd never been in a Sovereign Grace Church before. He went to the church. After visiting a few times, he experienced the, the gospel, the commitment to the gospel, and the gospel centrality that we share. And he said to Carlos, he said, we need a church like that in Reynosa. So they just began to pray. And he continued to work for this company. It was about six months later, I believe. His, the company came to this man and said, we've got so much work in Juarez, would you be willing to move there? He said, I'd, I'd love to move there. So he moved there. He continued to work for his company. He became a part of Iglesia Gracia Soberana. Uh, Carlos, and, and Rich has been a part of that, has, has discipled him. And we now believe that this man will return to Reynosa sometime in the next couple of years, a plant a Sovereign Grace Church in that city. Now I share that because Rich and I and the guys in the leadership team, we're not that good. We, we wouldn't have thought of that. We couldn't make a story up like that. I, I share that story because that was a Spirit-led thing. It's a Spirit-led mission, brothers and sisters. We are dependent upon the Spirit of God to empower us and to lead us to make disciples of all nations. 
And we believe that work of the Spirit, it continues today because we believe that God continues to save the lost today. So by the way, if you're like me, and at times you're a bit apprehensive or fearful or reluctant to share the gospel with someone who's not a Christian, here's the very first thing you do. If you're reluctant, the first thing you do is to pray and ask the Spirit of God to fill you and ask the Spirit of God to give you power and even the words to share. And you know what? God will answer that prayer. Our unfinished task of advancing the gospel by doing local outreach and by planting churches and by doing global missions, it is dependent upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now let me close with this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this about the Gospel of Matthew, but it, it ends on, on a note of both triumph and expectation. Triumph in the sense that Jesus speaks these words after His death and resurrection where He decisively defeated sin, our sin, and death, and He defeated Satan. And he now stands on this mountain in Galilee as our triumphant Savior, and he sends us with a triumphant gospel message. Expectation in the sense that as we go, we don't go alone, but that he's always with us through the filling of the Holy Spirit who will empower our gospel mission. And the expectation that one day our unfinished task will actually be finished. Did you see that in verse 20? Last, last sentence there in verse 20. And behold, I am with you always. Until when? To the end of the age. You know this. There is a day coming when Jesus will return. And on that day, He will judge the living and the dead. And on that day, He will make all things new. Bringing with Him the new heavens and the new earth and on that day the new age will begin and on that day when the new age begins there will be no need for mission in the new heavens and the new earth because all those who are judged to be in Christ they will gather with us on that day and they will they will gather around that great throne and they will sing with us salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, the, the ultimate purpose, remember, the ultimate pur- purpose of our mission is to make disciples of all nations for this grand purpose of giving God glory as He is worshipped forever and ever. And those who will give God glory forever and ever are those like us who have been washed by the blood of Christ. So let, let that eternal vision that we will experience and enjoy on that great day let that be, let that fuel our passion to finish this unfinished task. See, until that great day, brothers and sisters, with, with urgency, with purpose, be a church and let us be a family of churches who gives our lives to that gospel mission. May we give our prayers and our service and our money and our time and our effort to make disciples of all nations as we reach our neighborhoods. And not just our neighborhoods, the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we go, let us go in faith believing that our triumphant Savior is with us by filling us with the Spirit and empowering our labors for the gospel as we reach people who one day will join us around that throne and they will sing this with us. Blessing and glory 
and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Oh, may that be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for what the Great Commission means to us. First of all, we see our need in it. Lord, our need for the Gospel. We thank You. Those of here that are in Christ, we thank You for saving us. Those that are here may be listening. They're not Christians. We pray, save them, Lord. But also this great commission that You've given us is something that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all involved in. And so I pray that You would fill this church, every person in this church, with the Spirit. And may the Spirit empower their labors as they reach out to their neighbors, as they plant a church in Mesa, as they continue to pray for Rich and he continues the good work that he's doing in Mexico and Latin America. May, may it lead to more people coming to know Christ as their Savior. We plead together for souls. May more people be saved. May those people join us on that great day to give you much glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.